We are back on the Emergency Goalies podcast. There were actual games this week. I do want to thank uh, Katie Drzinski for coming on and uh, entertaining us while there was no actual hockey to talk about for the Blackhawks. But uh, the Blackhawks were back, and it was a dramatic week. That's <laughs> the best way I can put it. So I'll kick it to you, Michael, and we'll recap of the three games this week. Sure. Well, the, the, the Hawks had a tough three-game stretch, a couple games on the road, one at home. Uh, the first two on the road were against solid teams that they're in competition for the final playoff spot with, and then they had to come back home and face one of the better teams in the league. So it was a tough six points up for grabs, and you know they ended up coming away with four points, but... In some ways, it, it it didn't end up feeling quite as satisfying as it could have. Uh, it did start off fairly well, though. The, the Hawks came out uh, out of the long break on Saturday in Phoenix, taking on the Arizona Coyotes. And the, the Hawks came out and, and, and played well from the get-go. Brandon Saad was able to score his 14th goal in the first period. Uh, Patrick Kane set him up. Uh, the that line of Kirby Doc between Sod and Kane really seemed to to be clicking in the game. It was a really fine effort from that whole group, and they they continued uh, in the second period with Sod scoring once again uh, from Kane and Doc, and it was a bit of a a, a fluttering goal. He kind of the, the puck was bouncing as it came to him. And he, he didn't get uh, everything on the shot, but it, it managed to kind of function as a changeup against Ranta. And, you know, hey, every goal's a good goal. They all they all look the same on the score sheet. And the Hawks were able to take a 2-0 lead, and things were looking really good. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, Coyotes were able to battle back and tie the game up 2-2 later in that period. Uh, Richardson and Garland both scored. Uh, you know, it was it was unfortunate. Corey Crawford played a really good game. It was kind of interesting to me that they started Crawford coming out of the break rather than Leonard, uh, who had kind of established himself as the number one guy. But uh, credit to Crawford, uh, he played a, a heck of a game despite those you know those couple of goals. And then in the third period, it was. It really came down to the goalies. Uh, I thought both Crawford and Auntie Ranta were fantastic in the third period. Brandon Sott had an opportunity for a hat trick, and Sant- and Ranta made one of the better saves of the year that I've seen. Uh, just totally, totally robbed him. Yeah, I was going to say that would be, I mean, 98% of the time that's a goal. Right. It's like it, very rare. To yeah, get that one I mean, you know, that, that the second goal by Sod was... You know, a fluttering puck and one that, you know, when you look at it, it's like, oh, that's got a very low chance of scoring. Whereas the one in the third period, he drilled it and Ronta just, you know, hey, he came up big, kept kept the Hawks from scoring. So the game went into overtime and, uh, you know, more back and forth, more good goaltending in overtime. Neither team was managed to score. But hey, the Hawks, you know, in the shootout, 
boy, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane both uh, came up with some some fancy moves, buried a, a goal each in the shootout, and Crawford came up big, getting a couple of stops, and so the Hawks were were able to come out on top, get the two points. You know, it's just it's one of those unfortunate things where. You know, they, they make up a, a, some ground on the Coyotes, who they're chasing, but it's just one of those dreaded three-point games where, you know, especially in a game when you were up two to nothing, you think, oh boy, you know, we, we uh, uh, you know a two-point swing, regulation win is within grasp, and then on top of that to have Ranta, you know, come up with that huge save, like I said, it... it, it you still feel good coming away with two points, but you were so close to coming away even better off. Uh, so it was a little bittersweet in that manner, but you know, you, you, sometimes those goalies just come up big for the other team. I, you, you, you just got to give them credit. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you have anything you got to, you want to add about that game. I, I thought it was a really solid effort from the Blackhawks all around. Yeah, it, it was, and, and um, Saab looked really good in that game. Yeah. He he was flying around, but yeah, it's one of those, you, you really do hope, like, man, it would have been great to get that win in regulation, but I guess they did get the win, and we're still, we're just getting late, but we're still early enough in the year where just getting two points as many times as you can is still big, so, right. I mean, you'd love to have won it in regulation, but, but yeah, no, it was a pretty well-played game. Not like the couple games that are coming up. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, the Hawks were kind of on the opposite end of, the, of these next two games where they managed to come away with a point. So, you know, they, they stayed in it. They're, 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 they're continuing to compile points. But, boy, I, I didn't really feel like they deserved to, to, to win or come away with points in either one of these games. The... The, the second game of this three-game set was a game up in Minnesota against the Wild. And the Hawks just came out flat. Minnesota was ready to play. They came out with playoff intensity, I felt like. Um, the Wild are a little bit behind the Hawks, so points are even more desperate for them. And I, I can only remember what the shot totals were, but the ice was completely slanted in favor of the wild in the first period. The Hawks were not generating anything. Um, this was maybe Patrick Kane's least effective game of the season. Uh, he was a complete non-entity, uh, throughout. Well, at least until late in the game, he kind of did the, the occasional effort where we see from Patrick Kane where he's garbage for 55 minutes, but then he somehow manages to do something in the final minute to get on the score sheet. Uh, he didn't actually get on the score sheet, though, in this game. Uh, um, it just kind of had that feeling. He, he did create a little bit late, but, you know, despite the, the poor effort in the first period, the Hawks managed to escape with a nothing-nothing tie. Uh, Corey Crawford... Getting the back-to-back start was fantastic in the first period. Bailed his team out, kept him in the game. Second period came around. I, I thought the play evened up a little bit, but Kevin Fiala managed to score two times for the Wild, put them ahead, 
And with the way the the Hawks were playing, you, you didn't have a great feeling that they were going to be able to get back into it. But the Wild kind of backed off a little bit in the in the third, and Adam Boquist managed to score to make it uh, two to one. And the 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 Hawks, you know, it was one of those score advantage games where. You're getting outplayed, but the other team backs off a little bit. And so the, the shot uh, totals ended up heavily favoring the Hawks in the third. And they did play better, but, um, the, you know, they they managed late in the game. Olimata just kind of threw the puck at the net from the half boards and managed to, to sneak it past uh, the goalie. Tied the game up. Hawks managed to to keep it that way until overtime. Uh, unfortunately, the Wild did uh, end up scoring. Uh, Matthew Dumba uh, put the game away about midway through the overtime period. So not a great effort, but you know you 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 feel good that you at least came away with a point. But you know I, I think last week when I was kind of going through the preview, of these upcoming games, I, I think I said, hey, you know, you'd love to see it if the Blackhawks could take three out of four points in these first two games. Those were the important ones. Um, but, you, you know, it's it's those, it's, you really see the, the, the swing that these three-point games uh, create because, you know, you go into it saying, oh, if you could get three out of four points, but the Hawks didn't actually get three out of four points. They got three out of six points. Both of these games were three-point games, and the Hawks earned as many points as they gave away. So it, they did end up advancing in the standings a little bit and getting closer to the to the Coyotes. So they at least won the more important game of the two, but it... Yeah, and you could argue, too, that it was more painful for the... Wild not to get a two-point win out of that than Correct. the Blackhawks because they're behind in the standings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Wild have more teams to jump over, including the Blackhawks, whereas the the Hawks are kind of, I think it's they're neck and neck with the Jets right now. I think they're they're tied with the Jets in ninth place. But, uh, you know, so it was successful, but so close to being more successful <laughs> than... than uh, uh, as successful as you would hope, anyway. Uh, but you, you got to be disappointed in that the effort that they had in this Minnesota game because oh, I mean, we're going to talk about the we're going to talk about the Boston game in a minute. But Minnesota is way less talented than Boston, right? Like Boston, like you can kind of see, like they're right in for the President's Trophy. So that's like you understand. But like, the Wild are not good. I mean, right? Yeah. The, also, the... On a, oh, go ahead. Yeah, but also I was going to say on a side note. I don't know what uh, Fiala had to eat before that game, but he was, he was shot good. out of a cannon. Yeah, he was good in that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the effort in the first period against Minnesota was very disappointing to see. Um, as you as you mentioned, the, the Wild are not a hugely dangerous team, but they, they came out with intensity. They, they wanted these points more than the Blackhawks, and they showed it. Uh, they were faster to the puck they were stronger on the puck they won most of the board battles 
uh, and in fact, I didn't. I, I think there were a lot of times where board battles never really even developed because the Hawks didn't even get to the puck, and so it was a really disheartening uh, to see that kind of effort. But you know, they survived it to some degree, and you know, you feel lucky coming away with a point out of that. The next night, they had to travel back to Boston or travel back to Chicago to take on Boston. Boston had also played the night before and had to travel, so. There wasn't really a you know an advantage or disadvantage in that uh, scenario, but once again the Hawks were on their heels in the first period. You, to me, I kind of got the impression that they were giving the the Bruins a little too much respect and were kind of playing conservative. Let's not screw up, especially against uh, the Boston's very dangerous top line. But, you know, once again, they they managed to, to weather that storm in the first period where they got completely outplayed, but managed to come away with the score, with the game scoreless. And then on top of that, they came out in the second, started playing a little better. Um, not much better, but a little bit, enough to at least uh, uh, get themselves a power play opportunity, draw a penalty. And Alex DeBrinkett scored on a rebound. Uh, nice play by Kane and Doc to get the assists. And DeBrinkett uh, managed to sneak it through uh, the, the goalie's armpit. And it, it trickled across the line. So the Hawks took a, a 1-0 lead. Didn't, didn't last a long time. About five or six minutes later, the Bruins managed to, to get one past Leonard, who was fantastic in the first period. Uh, as good as Crawford was the first two games of this stretch, uh, Leonard was just as good on Wednesday night. Uh, really made a lot of key saves to, to, to keep the Hawks in it. And that continued into the third period. I, I, that was probably the Hawks' best period of the three. And there was a lot of controversy late in the game. Uh, a couple of missed calls by the referees. Um, Ryan Carpenter... Carpenter in particular got cross-checked in the face uh, after a face-off and the refs didn't call it. And then <laughs> on top of that, Carpenter continued to chirp at them from the bench and they ended up giving him a 10-minute misconduct. So that didn't end up putting the Hawks down a man, but given that they should have been up a man, uh, it was it was a, an unfortunate scenario. And there was a couple other calls that I thought uh, could have gone the Hawks' way, but the the, the the vocal uh, the the thing that really got the the Hawks fans and the players really riled up was actually a, a call that the refs got right. <laughs> um, I didn't have a big reaction to it because I was like, oh, that seems like the right call to me. Um, Olimata got knocked down along the boards. Uh, well, I shouldn't say knocked down. He got tripped, uh, drew a penalty uh, while he was uh, gloving the puck down to the ice. And the puck kind of snuck away from him, and he kind of waved at it with his stick, and did seem to 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 touch the puck a little bit, but never gained control of it. Um, and Drake Kajula picked it up, crossed the blue line, fired a shot, scored. Looked like the Hawks took the lead. Uh, the bench celebrated and everything, but the whistle had blown, and it it was a hand pass. Uh, um, and rightly called, even though there was further 
uh, confusion because the announcers didn't know the the announcer the refs didn't explain themselves the announcers didn't understand and then even in the interviews after the game some of the hawks were saying that the refs apologized because they got it wrong but uh it and the league did clarify it this this morning uh that it it is the right call you when you when you glove the puck down that player has to be the, uh, the the next one to control it for your team otherwise it's a hand pass um, it's not any different than the scenario where if your team commits a penalty, a delayed penalty call, you're, you, you can't just deflect the puck um, to get a, the whistle to be blown. Your team actually has to control the puck, and it's kind of the same uh, scenario in this case. So like when I saw it live, I was just like, oh, that's, uh, that's going to be a hand pass. Um, but then when everybody else was questioning, I was like, I started second guessing myself and I was just like, ah, I'm just going to kind of stay out of it. But I was and just in the back of my mind. I was like, well, that, that seemed like the right call to me. It's just yeah, one of those. Like, I think, yeah, I Go think ahead. also some, there was stuff on the internet about people saying, rep saying it was an inadvertent whistle and stuff. And that got spread yeah. around. And, yeah. But it, I'm glad they clarified it. But yeah, that's my original reaction was it was a hand pass. Right. I thought it was why they blew the whistle. But then. There's a lot of stuff after the game, stories going around the internet that I don't know were true. Right. Well, and, you know, like I said, Colleton and I I think it was Taves or somebody after the game in an interview said that the refs had told them that it was basically an inadvertent whistle and that they had made a mistake. But like I said, uh, from my understanding of the rules, that, that wasn't the case. And I thought the refs had made the right call. And the league did clarify it this morning that that was the case. Um, it's just one of those scenarios that you see very infrequently because generally when somebody's gloving the puck down, they're on their feet. <laughs> and so a deflection of that puck generally happens like if they, they glove it down and it glances off of their knee or something and goes to one of your players, uh, it's immediately blown as a hand pass even though you technically touched it. But because you never controlled it, it it's still a hand pass. And it, it, this one just ended up being a scenario where Olimata was down on the ice and just kind of nicked it with his stick instead of nicking it with, you know, a body part or whatever. Um, so it's just, it's one of those where you just, you never see it in an NHL game. And, uh, yeah, just... and the other, the other reason too, is just um, the crowd reacted because they, there had been a penalty called. So there right. was a big roar from the crowd. So the whistle, no one heard the whistle. Right. And thought the play was still going on in the goal. If yeah. everyone had heard the whistle, there would not have been the reaction, but right. they it didn't was... hear the whistle, so people reacted to the goal being scored. Right. And I and I, I think just on top of that, the, the previous missed calls had just kind of added to the upswell of, oh, the refs are against us or whatever in this game. And um, But anyway... The, the Hawks still ended up getting a power play out of it uh, that stretched into overtime. It's not the refs' fault that the Hawks were abysmal on that power play. They were awful. Um, they had a, you know, you, you, in overtime, you have a power play, you actually get a man, so it's four on three. Plenty of space. You should be able to generate. Plenty of possession and shots on goal, and the Hawks did neither. The it was just it was dreadful. And then as soon as the power play ended and the Bruins got their fourth man out there, 
they won the game. <laughs> uh, and they deserved to win the game. Uh, so, it, you know, it was one of those ones where you, you just you had that glimmer of hope when that Kajula goal went in and you think, oh my gosh, we're going to steal two points out of this game. You know, in a, in a game that they didn't deserve to get two points out of, but then to have that kind of taken away from you, and then still, you know, still have the power, the chance for the power play in the overtime, and then still not be able to get come away with it. You know, ultimately you go into this game and you say, "Oh, the Hawks are going to earn a point out of it." You would have been satisfied with that. But just with the way it played out, it felt like a down note, you know, especially with the way the Hawks played in the first and then still to have a chance to to come away with two points and to have it be so close to coming with two points. But, hey, I you know, four points out of the six, you know, in three games, they inched closer in the standings. Uh, it still ends up being a fairly successful stretch even though the, the the team did not play particularly well in the final two well so. that's the thing I, I think if you're doing takeaways from these games I mean first of all I will say one thing about the power play in overtime that might have technically been a power play according to the rules but what we watched was not a power play it was that awful. was just a disaster yeah it was awful but I'm gonna go on to the one thing that makes you feel good about this team is the goalies. Yes. That you can play this bad in a game, and your goalies basically steal you points in two consecutive games. Yep. And so they're always going to have a shot with these two goalies playing to win, which right. makes you feel better. And you're hoping the rest of the team will play better most of these games, but right. to get points at all out of those games was pretty impressive. Right. And the other big thing... Uh, the big development that I see too that's that's really helped uh, kind of elongate the lineup a little bit is Kirby Doc's playing extremely well right now. He's being much more assertive and confident in the offensive zone, anticipating better, going to the dirty areas a little more playing more physical along the boards. He's really controlling the puck, winning board battles. And then he's forechecking, he's backchecking, he's getting into passing lanes and breaking plays up with his reach. Uh, uh, Opposing players are consistently surprised against him where he's trailing them or, or getting into their face and he's able to close that distance quicker than they anticipate. Um, just simply because he's a six foot five guy and his reach is a little uh, longer than most forwards um, that you see. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I want to add too. It's just he's had a couple plays the past handful of games where these would have been like replayed on yeah. NHL highlights for 10, 20 years. But yep. he gets these moves and just undresses people and then. Um, you know, he's young and stuff, maybe it's just, but he just can't come short of finishing these goals off. Right. Once he finishes some of these moves off, because they're incredible moves, but it's like, he just doesn't have that finish down yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still obviously a work in progress, but if he can continue to play like he's played in the in, in these last three games, plus the, 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 the final three or four games that they had before the break, uh, 
I, I think he's on like a four-game point, point streak right now, something like that, maybe even five games. Uh, he's just he's playing way better, uh, and I really like that Doc Sod Kane line. Um, the only issue with it is um, because Doc isn't playing with a natural center. Uh, or, well, I shouldn't even say natural center. Because he's not playing with anybody who's particularly good on faceoffs, uh, that limits the team a little bit in their deployment. And because uh, Doc is pretty terrible at faceoffs. So you, you do actually see Brandon Sod taking some faceoffs for him. And Sod's okay. I mean, I would say he could probably win 40, 45% of faceoffs. So you can kind of live with it maybe, but it's. You know, you worry about them ever getting stuck in the defensive zone and losing a draw cleanly and that sort of thing. But as as a an offensive entity, and if you can get them changed up on the fly, uh, that uh, it, it's it's been a pretty solid deployment for them. Uh, unfortunately, coming out of the break here, you know, going heading in, uh, you, you had Taves and Kubalik rolling. Uh, on that top line, but uh, coming out these last three games, that that line has not worked at all. Kubalik's kind of getting caught in between. Um, Taves has been frustrated. Uh, Kajula's been very up and down, shift to shift. Uh, there's some shifts where he plays real solid, and then there's some shifts where I just I don't understand what he's doing. Um, and that's always been my my issue with Kajula is his just maddening in, in, inconsistency. I, right now, he's kind of in a in a bad stretch as far as I'm concerned. Um, but you know, so uh, we did see in the the, the Bruins game where uh, Colleton ended up changing things up with Taves taking uh, some shifts with Debrinket and Strom on his wing, and uh, Kubelik and Kajula dropping down to play with David Camp. Which actually brings me to, I, I would like to shout out David Camp. I think he's been playing extremely well uh, in all three of these games. Uh, he's one of the few guys who I think has matched the intensity level of the opposing team. Now his offensive game is still very limited. Plays do end up dying on his stick. But as far as guys who are going to the right place, playing with energy, um, not backing down physically, uh, creating turnovers, being yeah, an energy been, reliable guy. Yeah, as you say, he's he, been very good. He, yeah, he's shown great bursts too. Yeah, he's got a very good burst lately. Where yeah, he's he, been, you know, jumping, using check. his speed to get into plays. Yes. Yeah, his forecheck and his ability to create turnovers off of it has been noticeable. Uh, he's kind of functioned as the puck retriever on that line with Debrinket and Strom, and. For a while, that I thought that, that that grouping was kind of working pretty well, but it really fell off in that Boston game. I, Dylan Strom may be back in the lineup, uh, but and you know he's never fast, but you know coming off of this ankle injury, I wonder if it's still a lingering issue because he looks really slow in these last couple of games. Um, I I've been pretty disappointed with his with his effort. So I, I don't know if it's just that he's just not 100% yet and he's still trying to get back into the flow of things. But uh, that, that's that been a little bit disappointing to me. 
Yeah, it's almost. I wonder if it's like a readjustment to. Yeah. And you're out for like a month like that. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sad. ready to throw in the towel or anything. I, don't no, know. I mean, no, it's no. only been three games, but. Uh, but it's I obvious. Was hoping... yeah, side. Yeah, when side came back, he seemed to, like, hit, hit right in. Like he was right. hot yeah. immediately, and that. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's taking a little longer for Strom to kind of get back up to speed. Um, not, I'm not worried about it right now. But uh, you know, I was hopeful when he got back in that it was really going to give them three solid scoring lines. Uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately, he hasn't really provided that jolt that I was hoping for yet. But we've got a yeah. few we got a few off days here. Maybe he can get a little bit more rest and get you know get it figured out here. Yeah, and before we do the preview, I will uh, one more piece of news, of course, that we uh, didn't mention in the Bruins game. Uh, there's the penalty that the Blackhawks scored on was a very questionable hit on Adam Boquist, who mm-hmm. had to leave the game with a arm injury. But after the game, um, Carlton said he didn't think it was a serious injury, so that was good. But I thought I would mention it because right. he was out for the rest of that Bruins game. Yeah, put them put them in a bind a little bit. Uh, you saw Gustafson shift up to play with Keith for the most part. Um, you know, if if Boquist does end up missing the game this weekend, you know, it, it might not be the biggest deal in the world um, if it's just kind of a one game thing. But you know, thankfully the Hawks only have one game over the next five days, so that's in their favor. Oh, I will add. Scenario. I will add since you since you mentioned it a bit. Uh... Gustafson continues to play very well. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, that's been nice yeah, to see. I, I called out camp, but um, uh, Gustafson deserves a, a call out as well. Um, I think in that Minnesota game uh, in particular, I felt like camp and Gustafson were the only two guys that showed up for all three periods, um, played with intensity. You know, just they, they matched the Wilds' energy level and were smart and assertive uh, throughout the entire game. And then in the Boston game, uh, even the announcers caught on to how well Gustafson was playing in the defensive zone. That's that's typically not something you're going to see is uh, announcers calling out Gustafson for playing well in his own zone, but uh, he he was playing so well, so well that you couldn't ignore it. Um, and, he, you know, he still contributed offensively as well. Uh, I, I, he rang one off the post. Um, that nearly iced the game for the Hawks as well. Um, so yeah, it, it it if the Hawks are going to get back into it, they need Eric Gustafson to play well. And if the Hawks end up falling off here and selling off pieces, having Eric Gustafson play well heading up to the trade deadline helps them in both regards. So the timing of this uh, um, improved play is is certainly beneficial for the Hawks. And one more thing too, I, I don't know, you any strong feelings on Sealer, the guy they picked up waivers or not really? You know, I know I saw him a couple of times last year. He just kind of struck me as your typical big stay-at-home six-seven defenseman. He's never gonna, you know, look good statistically, but um, it, it, Boudreaux seemed to have good things to say about him at least as a person um he he seemed like it was a a guy that he felt like he he deserves more playing time and that he was happy that sealer was going to get the opportunity perhaps 
Um, but no, I mean, uh, it, it, the only thing that's nice is his contract's actually cheaper than Dennis Gilbert. And you honestly don't want Dennis Gilbert sitting around for, you know, I, he's been scratched. He was scratched, what, like eight or nine consecutive games or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you want, Gil, you want Gilbert playing as a, a 23-year-old. You know, it was kind of a, the, the same argument I had earlier in the year with, um, you know, everybody was like, why is Slater Cuckoo on this team? We should be calling up Adam Boquist. And I was like, you don't want Adam Boquist sitting around. If he's not mm-hmm. good enough to, to play in the top six consistently, you'd rather scratch a 25, 26, 27-year-old on a nightly basis. You want Adam Boquist playing all the time. And it's kind mm-hmm. of the same thing here. I, you know, Dennis Gilbert obviously isn't Adam Boquist, but it's still more beneficial to his development and for the Hawks' future to, for Dennis Gilbert to be playing every game. Yep. So with that, I think we'll move on to a little preview for the Blackhawks this week. They start um, only three of the games this week, but the start of a five-game Canadian swing through Western Canada. Um, it starts this Sunday, so they get Thursday, Friday, yep, they get three days off, which is rare this time of year, but because we're going to get a lot of games in a row coming up. But uh, they get three games off, and then they head to Winnipeg to play the Jets again. A 6 p.m. Central Time start on on Sunday, so a bit of an early game. And obviously the Blackhawks have played Winnipeg twice and beaten Winnipeg twice, and they are basically tied in the standings, so this is a huge game, and, you know, they just got to win these games against their guys they're going against for playoff points. That's yeah, a big game. And, and all five of these games, you know, I mean, you mentioned they're all the, the Western Canadian teams, and, you know, other than... Uh, the Canucks, who are leading the Pacific Division, th- these are the teams that are going to kind of be slipping in and out of the top of the Pacific into the wild card and back and forth. You don't really know which of these ones are going to be your direct competition, but at least one of these three teams are probably going to be you know, the Hawks' main competition for the, that final playoff spot. So beating one or all or, you know, it's, it's going to be big. Yes, and uh, then on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Time, they head to Edmonton to take on the Oilers. And the Oilers have been, of course, like all these other Pacific teams, up and down. You know, they've been had good stretches and bad stretches. And I was just checking to make sure, but, yes, the Blackhawks did beat Edmonton Mm-hmm. Early in the year, it was their first win of the year, actually. So that was in Chicago, but yeah, Edmonton yeah. again, like you just said, another they're in hanging around the race, right, up and down throughout the division. So yep. And then it's a back to back on uh, Wednesday. They take on uh, Vancouver at nine thirty Central Time. So a late game and. When the Black Eyes played in, Winnipeg, in uh, Vancouver last time, that was that crazy 7-5, to yeah. wide-open, back-and-forth game. So, yeah. I yeah, don't know d- if it'll be that wild this time. but I, I kind of hope it will be. I, I'll take an entertaining game like that. You know, uh, it, sometimes you get a 7-5 to game and it's sloppy and, you know, you can say that the teams aren't particularly playing pretty well, you know, very well, but... 
I actually thought that both teams played pretty well in that game, even defensively. It was just one of those games where the forwards had things clicking and they were um, both both sets of forwards were able to generate chances and create opportunities in situations that normally you can't pull off, but it was just everything was was going their way and so it was it was just a fun, entertaining game. I, I, I I don't I don't begrudge the Hawks losing that game that much. I mean that was just I thought I thought the effort was there. I thought the skill was there. I thought they played fairly physical in that game. They were ready to play despite the fact that they gave up 7 goals. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's you've kind of gone along a long time cuz we haven't had hockey to talk about in a while. Yeah, but exciting. I think that, <laughs> so basically yeah, we'll just leave it at Pretty much every game the Blackhawks play for the next two weeks has a ton of playoff implications with, you know, their standings and the teams are playing, like, their position in the standings. So we're going to figure out a lot about the Blackhawks in the next two weeks. Yep. So on that note, I, as always, I am STH85 on Twitter. Michael? MJ underscore Ernst. And you can follow the, uh, subscribe to the podcast on the Apple podcast app and you know we i posted on twitter and you people have any comments or anything just send them over but yeah things are getting interesting for the blackhawks and you know they're playing games that matter so let's hope they keep winning them <laughs>